I could feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen with a light blue hue to them, fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. Woo! Woo! Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 24, Thursday, December 13th, 2018. And I have a fresh new episode for you today. We have guests on the podcast today as I bring on not one but two guys for an interview. As my good friends, the Twins, will be joining us to bring their perspective on sports betting and a few um, few angles on their teams that they follow. They're, they're from uh, Akron, Ohio area, which is uh, nearby where LeBron James is from. So they have some hot takes on LeBron. And some info, uh, some inside info on some of his high school um, happenings as well. So I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, before we jump in, we are coming off of our hottest NFL Sunday of the year. And that's pretty crazy because we've had many of them. But the Doggy Juice Best Bets on Twitter and Instagram went 8-0 on Sunday and followed that up with a 2-0 on the Dalvin Cook overprops on Monday Night Football. Hopefully you all followed. Uh, I feel rather unfortunate to have gone four and one last week in the Chicago Super Contest. So really had a great chance to go five and zero because basically all of my leans were uh, were also hitting as well. It's one of those weekends where if I filled out like a parlay card or uh, did a crazy stupid parlay with a bunch of money lines on underdogs, I would have gotten pretty rich and probably been able to quit my day job. But um, yeah, I went with. Uh, the Vikings on Monday night at plus three and a half, and that that one did not come through. So I went four and one last week, but actually moved to one spot behind the lead uh, with three weeks remaining in the variation of the Super Contest that I play in the Chicago Super Contest. Still, uh, be really nice to win that one, come out on top in a pool of about two hundred, pe- little under two hundred people. I'm gonna try to keep this episode shorter, but before I jump into the interview with the Twins, I want to update all of you on that prop bet that was just settled in Vegas between two poker players. I I love stories like this. Basically what happened was a few months back, a poker player by the name of Rory Young encountered another poker player by the name of Rich Alati. Um, They're both Vegas professionals that are a big part of the, the Vegas poker scene. And you know how you have to have a special type of personality if you're a poker player, obviously. And these guys obviously have that in spades. But Rory Young, his question that he likes to ask people just for small talk, apparently, at poker tables is how much money it would take you to sit in a dark bathroom or dark room, completely dark, with no outside contact uh, with the world. You get your meals paid for, or provided, whatever you want to eat, but no watches, no um, understanding of what time it is nothing to entertain you just sit basically in isolation in a room in a dark room in pitch black for 30 days how much money you would do that for and he asked that to people and he encountered rich alati uh, at a poker table one day and alati's number was one hundred thousand dollars which is kind of crazy when you think about some of the buy-ins in these poker tournaments but i guess he's a special cat and these two got to talking about it and they actually signed um put put five thousand each into escrow uh with a certain uh, term, or at least like the bet had to kick off within a certain amount of time, otherwise they get their money back. But or something like that it was within like a year's time, and that finally started. They actually drew up a contract, and you can actually check out a tweet by none other than our favorite Darren Ravel, who just moved to the Action Network. 
he actually uh, tweeted out a picture of the contract that these two signed. But valid contract. Basically, Rory Young um, would pay Rich Alati $100,000 if he was able to stay in the room for 30 days. And he started doing it about 21, 22 days ago. He had a live feed. He was able to go to the bathroom. Obviously, there's you could read the article on it, but I'm summarizing. He was able to eat whatever he wanted pretty much like whenever he wanted to eat he was able to eat he had like a like pop tarts at the ready and he also was able to order from restaurants but they randomized when the food would come so you would have no understanding of of how much time had passed so they'd have food get delivered every three days and every six days but he'd always have plenty of food and he would have privacy inside a, a toilet stall but otherwise he had about four cameras live camera set up for his family to view him um, and he was in this small space with the bathroom, and he had a shower in there too, but he's basically not able to do anything in a dark room for all this time. He started doing the bets, and just, I believe it was yesterday or the, the night before, they decided to settle the bet 20 days in, and it was actually Rory Young, the guy who offered to pay him the money, who came with the buyout offer, um, and Rich Alati, the guy who was in there for 20 days, he accepted the offer uh, for $62,000 to buy out after 20 days, so... That one's done. Kind of disappointed that the dude didn't go the whole 30 days, but I've been tracking that the past week or so just because I've been very interested in it. There's nothing more exciting or interesting to me than some of the crazy prop bets that you hear poker players come out with. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite ones is there's, I guess there's like a really crazy personality. I mean, there's tons of them obviously in Vegas, but there's one guy who um, is very, I don't know, ADD would be one way to describe it, I guess, but someone offered him, and I don't know what the amount of money was, maybe it was a hundred grand or something like that, to live in Des Moines, Iowa for a month. Just live there, not in a crowded or in a dark room or squeezed off from the world. But the guy didn't last more than a week in Des Moines. And I'm sorry to all of my Iowa friends, because I know a lot of people from Iowa are listening to this podcast. And I happen to love Iowa myself, having been an alumni, uh, being an alumni from the University of Iowa. But I found that one really funny, how <laughs> this guy... Just uh, literally couldn't handle it after a week. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm leaving. I'll I'll pay I'll pay off the bet. I can't stay here anymore. I just can't stay here. <laughs> can't do it." Anyway, I thought that was funny. Wanted to give everyone an update on that uh, that bathroom bet story. You can Google it and read more about it. It's actually pretty fascinating. But uh, all right, well, before I move on to the interview, I want to give another shout out to Philly Fran with another great call on Twitter. That dude had the. New York Giants over 21 and a half points. He, and that one came through about halfway through the second quarter. It was an amazing call. I guess Mark Sanchez pick six was always in the cards in that one. But that dude was right on top of it. The G-men ended up routing the Redskins 40 to 16. So give that dude, Philly Fran, a follow on Twitter. Uh, both words start with a PH. Another great call, dude. I always love it when people want to share their best bets and stuff. Um, so feel free to do that on Twitter, Doggy Juice, in the comments, on my Instagram posts, whatever have you. I love uh, when people share plays, especially when people share value angles and help maybe others find a good price on a, on a game or something like that because we're all in this together. We're all trying to beat the bookies together. Obviously, the market's going to shape what the lines are, so we're also competing against each other in theory, but um, when it comes down to building a community of guys who are finding value on the betting boards, that's that was one of my main aims when I started this podcast. So kudos to people who uh, have been giving out plays. We're going to bring on Danimal for some bowl game picks uh, coming up, and I'm hoping to incorporate that more as I move forward. So without further ado, it is now time to move on to an interview I've been looking forward to for a while. 
Here it is, my interview with two guys I go way back with, the twins, Double Trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a treat for you. I've been looking forward to this interview for a very long time. I am pleased to welcome into the podcast my very good friends, Double Trouble, Mike and Vince, both joining me from two different locations. Hopefully you could hear us all clearly. How are you doing, guys? What's going on, man? Doing really well, man. Happy to be here. So we got Vince coming to you live from Detroit area. Mike's... uh, still here in Chicago. Um, so I want to introduce you guys to everyone who would not know you, which is most listeners obviously know who you are, but um, I met you guys studying abroad in Rome 10 and a half years ago, and which is crazy to think about. But uh, then, you know, crazy stories from that. But then you guys ended up moving to Chicago um, from, well, you guys were in Ohio at the time after college, right? How long did you guys, or how long did it take you guys to move to Chicago after college? I guess. Yeah, so we moved. We moved right after college. We were we were a little bit younger than uh, than I think everybody else in the program, uh, and so then we moved directly after college. Went to grad school. Proud uh, UIC Flames uh, for all the local folks out there listening. Right, the UIC. Yeah, because you guys are uh, did a master's program together. I'll never forget, like when you guys your first night, me seeing you in Chicago. I met you guys at a bowling alley. And shit got real that night. We started, we partied pretty hard. And I was like, damn, man, Chicago's not prepared for this, for the, the twins yeah, moving in. Yeah, where was that? Was that a 10 pin, I, like over by House of Blues, or where was that? It, it was by House of Blues. I think it was, it was like right adjacent to the uh, movie theater, I want to say. Oh, oh, it's Lucky uh, Strike. Yeah. Lucky Strike. Uh, Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. Yeah. yeah. That was a wow, good time. Wow, that's, that's rookie move going there. I don't think any of us would be caught dead there now, but yeah. It was a good time. I mean, we ended up at uh, with, at Milf Night at uh, Hell at the Moon anyway. I think that's where we went like every night. We were out together the first two years. Yeah, I think that was kind of a staple of uh, the three of us back in the uh, earlier days. Swing, swing was, dancing with mid-50-year-olds. Uh, just an absolute wonder. That was the life, man. <laughs> Those are the good old days. <laughs> but uh, you guys moved here. You guys are originally from uh, – outside of Akron, Ohio, like that area. Do you guys generally say Akron though? Yeah. I mean, literally, um, the Akron border is like, I want to say like, uh, a mile and a half from our house. So, I mean, we're really close. Uh, it's a town called Barberton, home of the magics. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Right by LeBron. Right, right by, by LeBron. But, uh, Barberton's famous in its own right. Home of, uh, uh, Baseball Hall of Famer Bill Mazeroski, as well as uh, um, Bo Schembechler. Bo Schembechler, coach at uh, coach at Barberton, is uh, calls that his hometown as well. So, a little fun. And if you go real back in time to a two-time uh, track Olympian as well as wide receiver for the uh, Detroit Lions, uh, Glenn Jeep Davis is also from Barberton. You say Glenn Davis? Yep. Like Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Jeep Davis. Not Glenn, Big Baby Davis. No, no, no. A, a much older one? Glenn, Jeep, <laughs> Glenn the Jeep Davis. The Jeep. The big Jeep. All right. I didn't know that. So you guys bring a perspective onto this podcast that I, I think my previous guests might not have. You guys both played college sports uh, because you're soccer and tennis in college, and you guys – know a lot about a, a lot of sports and i think it's good to bring you guys on the podcast because 
bring you a fresh angle from you guys. But in terms of your sports loyalties, um, obviously you guys are from that area, but I think everyone would be curious to hear your take on LeBron being Cleveland Cavs fans. And after, you know, there was a point in time where I know you guys were not big fans of him after he left Cleveland the first time, but how do you guys feel about LeBron right now? I'll take a stab at that one. Uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, you know, for us, you know, we were in high school uh, at the same time as LeBron. So he was a senior. We were freshmen. Um, you know, our uh, uncle, um, there was a lot of LeBron high school games, uh, you know, when he was a freshman. And, you know, just uh, seeing him grow and seeing, you know, the storm that uh, kind of took all of Northeast Ohio, um, you know, when, when they were playing, it was, it was incredible to watch, but, um, you know, secondarily, you know, I mean, he's from Akron, he's done a lot in the community. And so when he left the first time, I don't think, uh, you know, either of us really, really hated him. And I think a lot of folks from Akron, I don't think really hated him. You know, that was largely kind of a Cleveland thing. I mean, I think a lot of folks felt betrayed, but I mean, the guys never left Akron, never left Northeast Ohio. And, um, he wanted to have an experience, so we couldn't really blame the guy. And you know, and every Christmas he was back donating meals to the families and stuff. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of pub- publications, yeah. schools, and, and stuff that he's done to uh, you know impact the community. And so, you know, he's got that guitar and back. So it's crazy some of the stuff that's coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I would say to that is, you know, obviously we were upset when he left, but it wasn't like we were taking our jerseys out and going to burn them. I mean, we still re- respect LeBron as a player. And I mean, you know, I know we're not going to get into this debate because it would completely take over the podcast, but you know, um, when you look at don't it, go there, bro. I, I'm not going to go there, but statistically, <laughs> I mean, and, and the things LeBron can do at all five positions are just a marvel in itself. And I think the, the, the best, thing that I've seen LeBron do, I think is probably play high school football. I think that might've been more impressive than some of the stuff that he's been able to do on the basketball court. You guys saw him play high school football. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, uh, he actually, he he actually was a first team all stage as a sophomore that you can fact check that same as the same Mary high school. I think, I don't know if they won a state championship this year, but that year, but they were close. They actually beat, um, fact check this too. Manchester high school in the uh, first or second round of the playoffs. And our, our best friend, uh, growing up, his older brother had to guard LeBron. uh, His guy's five, eight, you know, LeBron at the time was, you know, six five, six six, and it was it was Z, wide receiver. He was tight end, right? I, I'm assuming, or just just receiver straight. Wow. Holy yeah, I'm gonna say he had like 190 yards and two touchdowns that game. I, I'm not sure on that fact check, but uh, it was um that was extremely impressive. I mean, he's just an all around unbelievable athlete. Uh, I think you know when you look he's at LeBron, any sport, I think you could say that he could be one of the best. So yeah. I think um. From that perspective, I mean, obviously bringing the championship to Cleveland, I think I was actually a little bit more confused or upset as to why he left the second time just because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me other than the entertainment perspective. But, you know, he has more money than anybody could ever imagine. So I I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. No, that makes sense. I mean, he obviously needed to move on to another challenge, I think. I don't blame him for that. Like he he did, the work was done in Cleveland. He said he was going to get you guys a title and he did. But Damn, him him as a tight end in the NFL. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, even him as like a, a center back for Team USA, I think that career path could have worked out too. 
pretty much pretty much anything you try to do i think i mean i think i mean that's a whole nother debate mike that uh we could have on another uh tangent is you know if you look at the top athletes in america and if what if they grew up playing it's, soccer it's scary i mean very right. scary <laughs> someday like maybe our kids kids will be those kids that are seven years old i mean you guys actually are the exception of this um being like the seven-year-old going down dribbling the soccer ball because you guys played college soccer and kind of tying it into us meeting in Rome. Like that was when I was full on exposed to European soccer about 10 and a half years ago. And that's when I fell in love with it. Um, I mean, I just, I love soccer, international soccer. When you think of all the different competitions that are involved with like in England, the premier league, you have your league cup, your, um, and then of course, if you can qualify for Europe, the champions league, I just like all the different uh, competitions involved. And that brings in more sports betting opportunities too, when there's more games. So the taking this to sports betting, I want to hear you guys takes, cause we are, we do have limited time. I know um, Vince has to be somewhere. We got about 20 more minutes. So um, I want to hear your guys takes on, on sports betting. Um, for me, I started, I touched on this. I started doing it right when I got to college um, online, but how long have you guys been, um, sports betting, what's your favorite sports to bet, and what do you look you for when you make a bet? Uh, Vince, you want to start with this one? Yeah, so I'll say like like true sports betting because um, I think you know, you have gambling and then you have sports betting and then you have you know stuff like March Madness brackets and right. fantasy and football pools. and things like that and different pools and you know I, and you know taking futures on different teams. I think um, mm-hmm. so probably not like actually sports betting until a few years ago. Um, as far as, you know, online sites and things like that, you know, different bets here with, and there with friends who, you know, Mm -hmm. where we had clear advantages of, uh, (laughs) just by pure, our love of the games and, uh, you know, doing some minimal research and seeing where we could get an edge on our friends and, people that are acquaintances. So I think it was more like going after those easy targets in the beginning. And then once we started to figure out, um, kind of what it was more about, then we kind of just jumped in and mm-hmm. without really any recollection or strategy. And I think that that was prevalent in some of the streaks and of wins and losses that we've had, we had. And so we really didn't mm-hmm. go in with a strategy. And I think that um, you know, really after listening to your podcast, Mike was really when we started, um, taking some of things into bigger consideration, um, obviously with the bankroll and the unit size and things like that, we really didn't even think about any of that. It was really based on, you know, raw, uh, really emotion, some types of loyalties. And then also, um, what you could derive from, you know, kind of your environmental situation. So, you know, like you take the Raptors game where they're, uh, that happened the other night, you know, head coaches, I think, I think their mother passed away. So like stuff like that would take into consideration injuries, whether, um, you know, if, uh, it was a revenge angle, stuff like that, I think is really what we used to bet on. Um, and now it's a little bit more calculated. I feel like you guys started out doing it like a hundred percent of people started out doing it. That's how I started. You know, I just wanted to bet. And I found this, like most people, they bet what they want to see, you know, that, and that's what I started out. You know, I would only bet on the bowls cause I wanted the bowls to win and stuff like that. You just want to give yourself that rooting interest. But I think that's why it's going to be so huge in America. Cause let's be real, especially like these bowl games are a perfect example that are coming up. Absolutely. Who's going to watch UAB versus Northern Illinois 
on Tuesday night unless they got some money on it. That doesn't go to the two schools. So, Mike, what about you? I'm assuming you guys are like the same person. Are you the same, the same way? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, similar. But, you know, we kind of got fooled into this situation because we're the ultimate trump card. I mean, LeBron James in the, in the East – playoffs you know i mean that that you know that's like falsified money winning. line, <laughs> money line you know, lebron I mean, in the playoffs <laughs> just more, more money line lebron just in the playoffs. if you lose you just know, double it down. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly right and you know you get these falsified winnings and you know i i think you know my perspective on this and in in, in in vince and i um you know have really taken a step back because because we kind of combined bet uh you know Two minds are better than one. True. But, um, we've taken a step. We've taken a step back lately, and really thought about, you know, just any, like like anything, right? You know, success is built on you know habits and small in, incremental improvements. And you know, what's what's interesting interesting to me is is that right? You know, we do this in our everyday lives, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, we make a choice to eat a salad instead of a burger, and you know, you don't see that's not immediately satisfying, but you know, in the long term. Right. You know, those small incremental improvements or choices every day end up end up being, you know, great gains. Yes. But, you know, but 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 the thing but the thing here is, is right. right, The reason people eat a burger or, you know, is because it's immediately satisfying. The reason people make parlay bets because they're immediately satisfying. Dude, this analogy is I am so rock hard right now to this analogy. (laughs) And so, you know, the thing is, is right. Like people have to master the art of showing up. And I think in sports betting, people don't show up, right? You just, you you know, and what showing up means, I think in sports betting is, is that, right. You've done your homework, you've done your research, and then, you know, you show up to the game prepared. And I think, most of us come to the game unprepared, uh, you know, for the game. You know, no one's done it. You haven't looked at the edges. You haven't identified kind of what. Just flipping what a is. coin. At yeah, that you're, point. you're just flipping a coin. And I mean, I think, you know, for, for most folks, um, you know, it's it's really, you know, focus on the data. Like, don't make a sports bet, you know, until you've, you know, understand the lines and you've looked at data and you are have, have developed kind of where you think you can find the edge. And if we're right. making bets you know, find out where you think the edges are. Don't even make a bet. And then, you know, after the fact, you know, sort of develop your strategy and your thoughts around it. And then once you have that figured out, then you can start making bets. And I think that's kind of where Vince and I are at right now is, is that we've kind of taken a step back and said, you know what, like, let's just, let's just figure out what our, what our strategy is going to be. Where can we find the edges? And, you know, we've started to kind of think about learning from, you know, others and, and playing that same discipline, that we apply in other aspects of our lives to, to sports betting. Dude, that's so spot on. That's like the best thing I've ever heard because it's so true. The, the care, the carryover real life to sports betting. It's just like the way of thinking involved. Like if you, and that's the idea that I've been preaching on this podcast since day one is you're not going to like get rich overnight unless you, you know, you're lucky and you have that lucky uh, futures ticket, which, you know, let's be real. Those are very rare. You no, know, those Leicester city to win the, the premier league tickets are, you know, there's like six people in the state of, or in the entire U.S. that that had that bet or something like that. Um, obviously, way more overseas. But the idea being that the only way to win is to slowly build over time and just keep building, finding edges, scraping out edges. And if you're betting with a 53, 54 percent win rate, you're going to still profit over time. It's going to be small, and you're going to have hiccups and everything, and good streaks and bad streaks, but the idea is to do that and the process, the 
the fact that you said that just like uh, makes me happy to hear that you guys have taken a step back and you want to get the process down instead of just blindly, you know, just betting stuff for fun. You know, that's yeah, Mike. I, that's good. I, we we appreciate that. The other thing I would say is just putting yourself on the right mindset to make a bet. Right. So like, I think that, you know, again, it's in like in life, like if you have a big presentation the next day, so if you're getting ready for a college football Saturday, I mean, you're not going to go and get, you know, blackout wasted before you have to give a seven thirty a.m. presentation. And then on the yep. other side, you know, if you're out with all your buddies and everybody's telling you to do different bets or, you know, what have you, and you're all out drinking, like that's not the time to make a bet. I mean, the time to make the bets are after you've analyzed all week and then level headed. Yeah, exactly. Level headed minus set right to make the right call. And and I think the biggest thing with that is is it's the it's the calls that you don't make when you're in that right mindset because when you're not in that right mindset uh and then i think that's when the chase starts yes yeah tilting and stuff and I mean, every beginning better i think is falls victim to this you know you're trying to chase like that hawaii game on saturday night that's like famous i think the vegas sports books like often they report like if it was a great day or an amazing day just based off how the hawaii game went because everyone's chasing with that late midnight start game been there trying to get it been all back. there on, on Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there, man. The, one, that's the get out game. So, um, but no, that's like, that's so spot on just that whole angle of just taking a step back. And when you go even further, completely removing your emotion out. And I've, it took me a while to get to this point. I still haven't mastered it, but literally not caring once the game's going on and removing your emotions at that point and thinking level headed. Because once the money's in, what you're rooting for, it took me a long time to realize this, being a superstitious guy um, in the past, was once your money's in, there's nothing you can do to win the bet unless you're at the game and you decide to charge the field or charge the court. So the only thing you can do, though, is, is look at what your next bet's going to be and learn from the bet you did make in order to make the next bet with full clarity and Full, fully objective, your emotions completely out of it. And going back to what you said, Vince, the whole not making a bet's better than making a bet and losing. It's like I've said, it's better to not lose than to win because you're because of the big. So if you're betting a hundred dollars a game, it's better to not lose the hundred and ten on a game than to win the hundred. Yeah, you, you know the cra- the crazy thing is is that right? Like every rational person makes these decisions every day. Like Vince and I work in healthcare, right? And healthcare is all about assessing risk. Vince works for an insurance mm-hmm. company. I work for a large, you know, uh, healthcare okay. network. And we assess risk every day. Every decision I make is based mm-hmm. on a certain level of risk and whether or not we can find an edge or there's an opportunity. And, and to spend 10 years doing that, right. right? Every day I make decisions like that and just blindly look the other way in sports betting, you know, is, is, is totally irrational. And everybody huh. does this every single day. And so, you know, when you kind of think back to yourself and you say like, man, I was pretty fucking dumb, you know? Right. <laughs> After the fact. Yeah. I mean, we still make bad, bad bets too. I mean, no one's perfect, you know, it's, and there will be bad bets that will be made, but it's just recognizing when it's a bad bet in order to not make it in the future is that's what it's all about. So in terms of uh, sports handicapping theory then, so when you guys are making a bet now, um, I mean, obviously you're looking at, I, I know Vince, you mentioned like, uh, or maybe it's Mike, the, the revenge angle. Are there other like specific sports or like situations where you love to make bets or get into play on or, or like, what's your, what's your favorite sports to even bet on? 
I would say probably college football. Um, yeah. And then secondly, maybe NBA playoffs. But mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, definitely college football is probably top. NFL is yeah. a little. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm there yet enough to, um, with my strategies and the way I'm looking at stuff to, to correctly do that. So still kind of doing some more research on that end. Yeah. NFL so yeah. tough. It's the hardest, hardest sport. College basketball, to be honest with you. I know the edges are good there, but it's overwhelming, to be honest with you. There's so many games so every much. day. And you're just kind of like, yep. <laughs> how, do we, how do we hone in? You know, so what I would quick, what I've learned from that on college hoops is hone in on one conference, just um, remove yourself from the others. And you could still, it's not to say you can't bet on the other conferences, but if like the best way to do it in college basketball is just pick one conference or even like one division within a conference and literally just follow that shit. Like follow, follow the beat reporters on Twitter, follow the team news and know those teams like the back of your hand and then. You could expand from there, but I think that's the good starting point. Yeah, you know, let me expand it to other sports real quick. Horse racing is for sure, like, probably my second favorite. And then, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it, especially the big races. But um, going to the tracks is also, excuse me, a blast. Um, And then um, majors. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, (laughs) but it's fun. Um, Major soccer tournaments like the World Cup, Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Euros, um, that that's really fun. I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't call myself an expert at it, uh, or um, a winner. The World Cup this year was a, was a loser for me. But um, as far as like pure joy and like out of taking it and like a nap, analyzing and looking at it and trying to find that edge, that's probably my favorite. Good call. And that's like the those novelty soccer competitions where just everyone even the casual fan in america stops and watches part of the world cup it seems maybe not the next time around since it's during the nfl season which totally sucks but but yeah i agree and that's like that goes back to my old point like people bet shit because like like that northern illinois uab game like people bet because they want to watch it and enjoy it with something on the line you know even whatever amount it is but that connection between having money on the line, something to lose, something to win, and the sporting event is, I think, what's going to be obviously the main driving force behind sports betting in America. It's growth. So um, I want to hear you guys' takes because we're running out of time on the Steelers. So you guys are Steelers fans. I actually haven't brought that up. You guys are um, Penn State and Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Penn State and college Steelers in the NFL and I mean, obviously, that's a regional thing, and it's because your your dad, right? Your guys' dad was there. Yeah, our dad graduated from Penn State, and uh, our families had uh, yeah. Steelers season tickets since the '60s when they were terrible. Our our grandfather was owned a grocery tra- chain uh, outside of Pittsburgh, and they were giving them away to the uh, store managers of the year. And so, uh, as the generations kept going, we kept the tickets. And um, Pittsburgh does seat licenses, and so. Uh, when they moved from the new stadium or from three rivers to the new stadium at Heinz field, we, uh, you know, have kept them all these years. And so we were at a, had a big, uh, you know, seniority, um, claim to some, mm-hmm. some really good seats. So that's, uh, that's where all that's born from. So you've been greasing the Roonies for all these years, your family. Had. So, <laughs> so like the, the Steelers though, like, and I could even say this about Penn state, obviously Penn state, like they had those, 
dark years. We don't have to go into that, uh, those recent dark years. But like, and when you look at like institutional performance, I can't think of like two better really examples of sporting franchises than those two in terms of like long-term success, you know, sustained success. I mean, that hasn't been perfect when the Steelers, their history of being early on those years being really good. And then this run they're on right now. But I feel like you guys know too, like the window with big Ben's closing and that, that shit's a mess over there right now with Pittsburgh, especially after that that loss. How's the shit lining up for them going into this week against the Patriots and then the playoff hunt holding off the, the Ravens in the division. So I think the one good thing is the Ravens been a mess. Um, The other good thing is the Steelers tend to play to their competition. I think that's why, I mean, case in point that Raiders game last week. Um, And so I think that we're, I'm not worried about it just because the scary thing would be is if, if we lose out and the Ravens lose out and then Cleveland takes the division, I mean, that would be crazy, but that's a real possibility. So, but I think, you know, we get the Bengals at the end of the game. I think we really just got to take two out of three, um, and we'll be fine. So so who do you guys have after – who does Steelers have after the Patriots? Ooh, New Orleans. That's in the, no, that's at, at home. home, right? That's at, at home. home. I think both, both, so both games be, are at home, and then uh, I think we go uh, to Cincinnati. Is that right? So I think, you know, yeah. I mean, that helps. Big Ben splits on the road are terrible. Um, right. But, you know, I mean – Especially at Ohio. Yeah, I mean, the thing <laughs> – Fun fact, though, Big Ben winning his quarterback at Cleveland Brown Stadium since uh, they came back. So that's solid. But yeah. um, I, I, it's going to be a tough road. I mean, they put themselves in the position. I mean, forget. I mean, you know, three weeks ago they were talking about you know Steelers getting home field advantage. And now we've lost three in a row. And, and now Just we're fighting fight for, for the playoffs. playoffs. So, you know, the, the, the one thing is at least the, the defense has been playing better. But the offense has been abysmal. And it's just, you know, I mean – that they, 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 they've got to figure out a way to uh, to get fired up. I mean, not having James Conner is tough. And when you figure that James Conner has stepped down from Le'Veon Bell, you know, I mean, they've always found a way to win and in, in, in be in the fight for the division in terms of, you know, being a Super Bowl contender and that sort of stuff. I mean, my futures bet was looking good about four weeks ago. And, and this week, I, I'm just hoping we make the playoffs. Right. It might, right now might be the time to make the futures bet, honestly. Well, well but, we took it early season one when they were like, what is this? They, t- they were like tied the Browns. I think they were like one, two, and one or something. Yeah. Oh, that was a good time yeah. to hop on board, you would think. And then so maybe maybe now it's time to double down <laughs> on that one. Potentially. Another move is just to like just roll over. I think you get a better payout if you just, once they make the playoffs, just roll over the money line. I think you'll get a better payout doing that than depending on the number. But. Yeah, man, this would be a good good week against the Pats. But I know we have two more minutes, so I'm just going to get some predictions from you guys. I wanted to get your take on Penn State because you guys run into Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl, and that line actually moved up from four to six and a half. And I, I took Penn State at four, but I'm I'm curious to hear your guys' um, take on the Citrus Bowl. You guys think that they're going to actually bring the motivation? Kind of a disappointing year based off expectation, although Saquon was out. So I think I watched Kentucky play a lot um, because I actually they were one of the teams that I I think I think we won what three times taking yeah, Kentucky so. um, this sure. year. So like they they're a pretty run heavy team. I think if Penn State gets ahead, it's going to be tough for Kentucky to come back. Yeah, Again, it's going to be the same. No, it's going to be the same story though. 
um, with Kentucky is, is if they can keep it close, then you know that they're gonna they're gonna continue to run the ball, and um, Penn State needs to get out to a lead. And I think if they do that, um, they could potentially run away with it. I mean, Kentucky had a great year, but I think. I think maybe there's some motivation for Kentucky to finish it out strong. Penn State, I agree with you, not a lot of motivation. I think the one thing you don't really have to worry about is anybody not playing. I mean, you know, and even if, you know, say Trace McSorley, who's not a really a massive NFL prospect, didn't play, you got an actual NFL prospect, um, Tommy Stevens, who's uh, waiting in the wings and going to play. So, uh, you know, I, the interesting game is the West Virginia without Will Greer, I think, is interesting. Yeah, that line moved pretty heavily. It was it's at one and a half now. It's at seven and a half, so it's like a six point move when Will Greer came out. But I don't know if that's enough points. I'm actually I I actually have bet some Syracuse. I wish I forecasted that. I should have bet on top of that. I got the seven and a half. But I think Syracuse good money line look still. Yep. I, uh, I do too. Right. What's that? What's that quarterback's name? He's he's uh, that Dungey Eric Dungey. Yeah, either way, either way, he's been good. Yeah, but hey, boys. Um, I gotta jump off here, um, but yeah, sure. uh, um, appreciate you having us, Mike. And uh, I, uh, I can't wait to get on again. Maybe, um, maybe a little later in the season. We'll have Mike finish up, but uh, really quickly though, what's your Super Bowl prediction? I think the Saints are going to get there. Um, I think it's going to be Saints, and I think I think the Steelers are going to make it. Um, that's a homer choice, um, but if they don't. I mean, can you ever really count out the Pats? Not really. All right. Same but I, I like the Saints. I like Saints, the Saints. Yeah, that's it's pretty, pretty chalky, but it makes sense. They're hard to beat. All right, dude. It's good having you on. All right, thanks, All right, boys. Um, Mike, I want to hear your, uh, your take. If you want to expand on the Penn State. If you're going to be watching that one at all, what do you got? Yeah, no, I think I think I'll be be watching that. I mean, I think I think Trace McSorley is a competitor. You know, I don't know that he's got a real big NFL future, so I think he'll want to ball out in that game. He hasn't really been healthy, um, you know, for the latter half of the year, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how he does and 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 how they use him. I mean, his running ability the last four or five weeks has been pretty low, and so um, you know that. I think they'll take care of business. I mean, Penn State usually performs pretty well in, in bowl games. Last couple of years, um, you know, usually it's down to the wire. So what's the line of seven? I think that's pretty it's pretty safe. Six and, um, a, half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. If if I if I was a betting man, I'd probably um, you know, I mean Penn State probably has typically underperformed a little bit, but usually those games are within a touchdown. So I mean I think the line's pretty spot on. I don't know how much value there is there, but um yeah, I think they'll play well. Pittsburgh, no, I agree. Pittsburgh Pats. I, I would say that um, you know, uh, uh, I think if they were playing in New England, Pittsburgh had a real shot of getting blown out. But um, it's December in Pittsburgh. I think um, you know, I mean, they they play really well at home. New England on the road um, has been a little tough, but um, you know the, the last year's game, you know that that was the uh, yeah that yeah. was at Heinz Field is the uh, the Jesse James the drop to yeah. That. yeah Jesse James and they called the I remember that very clearly because I I was on the Steelers in that yeah, game yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. not pleased with 
that uh, I think it was Steelers plus three. If I'm not mistaken, I forget. But either way, I think the Steelers. The last I looked, are getting a plus price in this game. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to invest. I think I'm going to have an investment on them in this game because I got the line about about Steelers minus. Uh, it's a little under minus two according to my stuff after adjusting for home field. So, but I honestly think it was them lose the, the them meaning the Patriots losing last week that really could have actually fucked the Steelers. Um, the way that game ended against the Patriots, I mean, that's just an ugly way to lose. I feel like the, that's, the players just can't wait to get back on the field to try and avenge that loss. It would be a different story if the Patriots you know, went down to Miami, took care of business, and then came up to play the Steelers, who had just come off the loss. But I think the Pats are going to be fully motivated to yeah, get this one Yeah, I mean, well. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, they're, they're in a fight for, um, you know, I mean, they essentially have to win out, hope Kansas City loses. Um, you know, to catch, uh, you know, to get home field, which, you know, they, they're so good at home. And so, you know, I think, you know, I mean, the other yep. thing too is since 2001, the Pats are four and two at Heinz field. So, you know, I think, you know, you take Pittsburgh in the points. I mean, that's probably a pretty good, pretty safe bet. Um, I think so. I think it's good. But, you know, I don't think Brady's been Brady, – Brady's been okay. Um, you know, he's kind of came back to the realm. I think Brady's lost it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean he's, he's been superhuman for a couple of years. But um, I think I think he's, I think he's back down to the realm of, of reasonableness. You know, he's a decent quarterback. But um, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting. <laughs> Brady. Uh, he, he always has a, a way of torching – uh, Pittsburgh's D and um, you know I think if I was if I if I was playing fantasy football this week I'd be I'd be looking at James White and Sony Michelle a lot of the check down for the running backs Pittsburgh's defense is not set up to stop um, stop not set up to stop the run or the uh, or, or the check downs and so you know they're not going to give up huge plays but yeah. I mean, they'll give up 50 60 yards um you know, on the ground over eight minutes on a on a single drive. So that's how they've lost the last couple of weeks. So I'd be on the I'd be on the hunt for that. If anybody's got uh, James White or Sonny Michelle in the uh, fantasy playoffs, I'd say I'd, 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 I'd say you're realm. doing real well. Maybe uh, some over unders on yards for those guys might be some value there. Could be some good prop looks. I mean, obviously the, the NFL cares about this game. They pretty much cleared up that three o'clock. Central time schedule, so everyone could just watch that game. I think there's only three afternoon games this week, if I'm not mistaken, but they got the schedule cleared out for that one. But I think, I mean, it's for me, it's Steelers are passed for sure. This is, like you guys said, this is like a game that they usually step up for. You know, like I would have thought two nights ago or two weekends ago against the Chargers was a good spot, and they were up by, what was it, 16 at halftime or something like that? Yeah, so, you know, the Steelers were 200, and I think it was 205 0 and 1. When they're up by more than fourteen points in the second half yeah. at home, something nuts. But they usually this is the spot where they usually at home where they rebound and get it done. But I'm just worried about the the internal stuff going on there. That maybe it's just there's just too many distractions, and maybe this is like their their windows over officially. But I'm not ready to to say that. I still think they could be a dark horse for sure. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I mean, you know, you wonder about Big Ben. You know, he's one injury away, probably one serious injury away from probably retiring. So that's, that's tough. It's tough. It's a, it's a scary proposition with not really anybody in the wings, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I, yeah, hopefully 
they get it done this weekend. Anybody that puts a wager on the Steelers, having you guys on this week is good juju for them if you're a superstitious man. But uh, you got any crazy predictions before we go here? Um, who, who you got in the Super Bowl? So I'm going to go with um, Dallas-Houston for the Battle of Texas. Wow. That is – oh, man. Talk about underdog city. Did you see those, those two teams play? Could yeah. you imagine? That'd uh, be crazy. Uh, I, I mean, I'm partially like homering the pick because I would love to see Dre Jones get all the way to the Super Bowl and then get be- beat by a team down the street. I think that would just be incredible. But uh, I think Dallas's defense is for real. I think they can hang with anybody. Um, I'm a little concerned about the offensive side of the ball, but Amari Cooper has basically put that entire team on his back, which is incredible since he's only been there half the year. But, you know – it's 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 True. it's been something they haven't played anybody, but they haven't played too many too many good teams. But I think uh, I mean you see the way they suffocated the Saints two weeks ago. It was just impressive work. And um, last week not such a great game, but but still, I mean, um, you know, got out, get the win, and um, it's it's pretty impressive. Houston, dark horse, pick, dark horse pick. Uh, we haven't. I don't think we've seen the best from that defense, and and you know it's a little scary because. Yeah, J.J. Watt's been – he hasn't been the superhuman himself uh, that uh, that we saw in his Defensive Player of the Year campaign. But you know, we'll pretty, see. It's a pretty damn we'll good recent, recent weeks. But, man, those two – I think you're the only dude in America who has predicted those two teams to beat in the Super Bowl. But, hey, that's what the hot takes are for. Yeah, well, you know what? Long shots, long yeah. shots. You know what? That's for all. That's for all, that's for all my former parlay betters out there. I was gonna say, shout out some sites. Like shout out to Fran the Man. Fran, the, yeah. So your buddy Fran made a. A uh, how a couple great calls on Twitter. I got to give him. Well, actually, you'll hear in the podcast to give him another shout out. But yeah, man, people always appreciate people giving out winners on the social media. That's always a good thing. Uh, we always welcome those takes here. But, yeah, uh, you should get you should get him on before, prior to the uh, prior to the Penn State game. He's uh, got a real inside view to the uh, to the squad. He's one of those guys that knows like the fourth stream linebacker and the walk-ons we got coming on. That's the kind of angles we want, man. Gotta find <laughs> he's probably been on. Hard. He's probably been on five recruiting visits to six <laughs> Pittsburgh area high school. He probably went to Aliquippa State State Championship game. <laughs> dude, we need those eyes and ears everywhere, dude. But yeah, maybe I'll bring that dude on just because he's living in an area that's nearby um, legalized sports betting too on the East Coast. So. Oh yeah. Good look. But. Yeah, that, that is a good look. I think a lot of those guys, or my, my take or my understanding is that a lot of those folks go to New Jersey and just kind of. Dude, the handle is insane. I read some kind of, I can close up with this, but I um, in New Jersey, just in November alone, the handle was like, I don't want to use a number I don't remember, but it was shocking. It was a shocking amount. And they're going to surpass Nevada for sure, especially because they rolled out. The reason why in November it grew so much was because they introduced mobile betting and wagering there. So I think that's just, you're going to see that happen in other states. It's just going to take off. What's your prediction for the future of sports betting? Are we going to get this passed in Illinois or what? In in the state of Illinois where we live? Next year. Next year, probably I put it about 80 to 90% that we will be able to wager legally in Illinois next year. If not, then in a neighboring state, Minnesota uh, announced that they're trying to push through legislation, Indiana, Michigan announced recently that they're, I mean, all these states are all looking at legislation. So I think especially with the new um, regime in the 
in the state of Illinois, um, Chicago mayor and Illinois governor. You got Pritzker in there now. I think you're going to see a push and probably see some sort of legislation get finalized in the spring. I would be pretty shocked if you can't make a legal wager in Illinois by football season next year. Wow. That's my take. Do you think the, yep. do you think the Chicago ma- um, mayoral race will have anything to do with it? Do you think someone in that race will accelerate or decrease the uh, timeline? I haven't paid attention to like to the candidates' stances on that, but I think you were telling me about this before we started recording about uh, Rahm Emanuel's tr- like really trying to go through with pushing a a new casino in southeastern Chicago yeah. in that area. It was saying that, so there you go, right there. That's where you're going to have your something like that, but. They have the places in in play. I know Indiana for local Chicagoans. Indiana um, is really moving along with their legalized sports wagering, and obviously that really impacts Chicagoans because could pop right over to the Horseshoe Casino in Hammond, Indiana, at about thirty minute drive, if if not less, from downtown Chicago to make your sports betting too. So, yeah, it's coming. Shout out to Chicago Trolley Company for uh, for getting me <laughs> getting me down there several several years in a row. That's a different story for a different day. My <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, this is a good interview. Uh, sorry that Vince had to duck out early, but I'm glad we got this in. I'm, I'm going to bring you guys on again for sure because I want to pick your brains a little bit more on some of uh, some of your takes, especially the uh, Penn State college football stuff too. But, um, yeah, dude, thanks for coming on. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, dude. I will, uh, I'll be in touch, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you to the twins, a.k.a. Double Trouble, for joining the pod. I'm going to close out with look-aheads now at college football, the first week of bowl games, and NFL Week 15. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Starting out in college football, I gave out my early bowl game positions in last week's podcast, so... Go back and listen to that one if you want to hear some of my the early plays that I made. The line has moved on basically all of them, and most of them actually in my favor. So I'm glad I got down at those prices. And getting down at the price early means everything in these bowl games, especially if you know some team news before the market does. Uh, the classic example of this is Will Greer uh, announcing that he was not going to start uh, in the bowl game for West Virginia against Syracuse. You saw that line. Move from about 7.5 down to 1.5 now, and I actually don't think that that one's moved down enough. I think Syracuse is going to win that game out right now, so I think there there is value in taking Syracuse plus 1.5 there for uh, for uh, at least a half or a, a full position play. But that's a perfect example there. If you were able to be on top of that one, you could be sitting with Syracuse uh, and over a touchdown, catching over a touchdown now. But being aware of these situations is key in bowl season, and the there's a few factors, and I'm going to remind you now what we're looking for and what my process is for the bowl season. There's a few factors you really have to pay attention to more than normal. Uh, one being team, the first most important thing being team motivation. And for me, when I'm looking at this, it, it it's honestly, it's it's a lot of work to go through and try and read the beat reporters or catch anything you can on Twitter with, with team motivation. But what I try to look for is the team's expectations going into the season, or even mid-season expectations, what the team was hoping to do, what, uh, hoping to accomplish at the start of the year, and 
even what bowl game they probably projected themselves to be at and which bowl game they're in now as opposed to those expectations. And if they're if you're seeing a team that, you know, didn't win their conference and they're playing or traveling somewhere that's not too exciting and they were hoping to be in a you know in the conference championship game, maybe even playing in the college football playoff, it could be a letdown spot for them. And on the flip side, if you're playing against a team whose expectations were lower at the start of the year and they're going to a bowl game maybe for the first time in a while or they're going to a really good bowl game or a bowl game somewhere exciting where they're not used to going and they're going to be focused, those are the sides I'd like to be on during bowl season. And it's really, there's so much more variability in these games. I also touched on the fact that it's better to play the money line on the underdogs. Don't lay the money line with the big favorites because of this variability. Just lay the points, but it's good to sprinkle some money line on underdogs in bowl season. I don't have the stats by me, but if you look at the number of underdogs that covered the spread, a high percentage of them, the past couple years in bowl games, a high percentage of them won the game outright, even as big underdogs. And on the flip side, teams that cover the spread as favorites in bowl games last year, they happened to cover the spread by a, by a lot of points as well. So I think it's a good angle just to, to look at those money lines with underdogs. You can Some of those cash, you can really come out on top in bowl season. And along those lines, another factor to keep in mind, as I mentioned last week, is to see which top players and stars are sitting out bowl games. It's becoming more prevalent and accepted. I mean, I get it from their angle. If you're going to play in the pros, you don't want a situation like where you're going to blow your future for a meaningless bowl game. Uh, So really being aware of which top players are sitting out, because obviously that means a lot to the handicap as well. But more importantly, or I guess equally as importantly, it could have an effect on the motivation of the players around you. You know, if you're seeing your your star buddy who's going to play in the NFL doesn't want to play in the bowl game, it doesn't really quite motivate you as much. If anything, it's going to serve to demotivate you, I would think. Um, another factor that really comes into play this time of year is coaching situations. I like to avoid lame duck and interim quote-unquote babysitter coaches, and there are I'm going to come up with an example of that later on here. But avoiding those situations where the players just don't, there's like, why would you try and play for a guy who's not going to be your coach next year? You're not trying to play for playing time next year or to set yourself up to be the starter or whatever when there's a, an interim coach in. Uh, on the flip side, if there's a new head coach in, he could be trying to establish things uh, for, for next season or establish who's going to be the starters. And there are guys who, who are trying to play for playing time or a starting role. So if you're, Looking at situations like that, that could be a good angle to be on that team when you're looking at guys, because there's 15 practices. Uh, Teams that are in bowl games get 15 extra practices, and when you're looking at teams that are using those practices with extra motivation to try and prepare for next season or or a new coach in, or on the flip side, teams who aren't going to be using those practices very well with an interim coach, that's a huge angle I like to look at. So looking at team news is of the utmost importance of this time of year, trying to get a feel or gauge for how a team is approaching their bowl prep. Um, also, like to avoid teams who are maybe going on like a, more like a vacation instead of a work trip type of situation. So sometimes you see some some boys changing, uh, some boys from up north going down south. In the nice weather might be a little distracted, especially some of those cities like Miami or the party towns where they can they can easily be distracted. You know, young college kids. We all know what that's like. So really important to check out this information. I think that means more than anything over bowl season. And if you're able to get ahead of the line moves, you can set yourself up for some very great middle positions going into the holiday season. 
So there's six bowl games coming up this Saturday to kick off bowl season, and then starting next Tuesday, we'll have one game each night during the week next week before it really kicks into high gear. Uh, and here are some plays that I like within the next week. The Boca Raton Bowl next Tuesday. This one, the line's moving, but I'd still hop on now if you're going to hop on board. But UAB, money line and minus two and a half, find the best number for you. Like I said, a bit late to the party here because the line is moving up, but I really think this one's going to close three or even higher. So I'd get down on UAB soon before the money floods in on them more. I got money line minus 130, and I think UAB brings the motivation to matchup advantages here in Boca Raton, uh, Northern Illinois. Been a good story for the past few years, but when you look at how they've performed with their coach in bowl games recently, it's not been very good, and I just think this matchup's just not ideal at all for for the Huskies. They've been a good story, winning another MAC title, but I think UAB gets the job done in this one. Similarly, I'm going to be putting down a position on San Diego State, catching plus three in the Frisco Bowl next Wednesday. I think that number is going to close probably closer to pick them, so I think it's a good position to get into play now in San Diego State. I feel a little bit less confident about the handicap, but I think market-wise, I think it's a good move to at least catch that number. You can always play back a little bit on the money line or something like that. Closer to Closer to game day, but San Diego State's good there. Two dogs that are worth a look in this first slew of games, North Texas and Middle Tennessee State. Again, a little bit late to the party if you hop on them at the current numbers, but for North Texas, they're going up against Utah State. who have been a great story this year, but they just saw their head coach Matt Wells bolt for Texas Tech, and they're bringing in their old coach Gary Anderson for next season. But right now, they're going to go with interim head coach Frank um, Mayo for the bowl season. And this is the interim babysitter effect that I mentioned earlier. So you're going to have this guy coaching the team for these 15 practices who's not going to be the coach next year. And yeah, sure, he might be a good stopgap guy. And it's worth reading more into to see the type of motivation or personality of this coach, this interim coach, and the motivation he's going to bring to the team. But for Utah State, I feel like closing the season with a disappointment like that was difficult. And also they... It's just there's that interim babysitter effect that I think creates value for North Texas. This one, unfortunately, has gone down because I think it was North Texas plus 10 at one point, but still catching plus 8. That line's continuing to drop. I would hop on it now because this one might close at about... It could close under a touchdown. We'll see. But I think that's it's still worth taking a look at North Texas in this role. For Middle Tennessee State, I think I like this one better, actually. There is no question of motivation for them here. It's Coach Rick... Stockstill's son, Brent Stockstill, the senior quarterback for the Blue Raiders. He's making his last career start for the team, so it's going to be an emotional game for them, the coach's son, and you know the players are going to be up for that one. And on top of that, they're going up against an Appalachian State team that just lost their coach, Scott Satterfield, who just took the Louisville job. So I think it's really key here to get Middle Tennessee State a plus seven or better. If you're going to get into play here, get that key number of seven. I would hate for you to lay, or sorry, uh, take plus six and a half points when you could have had, you know, well above a touchdown just a few days ago. So shop around, get the best number, but I think Middle Tennessee State's worth a look in that one. And also, as I said earlier, the money line sprinkle. And finally, Fresno State. The line has jumped up on this one. You are late to the party if you're joining, but if you could find a minus four, I'd get on board at that number. 
or if you can find a good uh, money line. I've mentioned it at an earlier podcast. If you go to the spread money line converter at sbrpicks.com, Sportsbook Review, they have a great converter. We can see which value is better when you plug in a line and then look at what the money line should be based off that line. So you can see if you're if you're getting a better money line instead of the spread based off that conversion. So it's worth a money line look on Fresno State here, I think, too, if you can get the right price. But there's so many reasons to like them here. I think Tedford will have these guys focused, and Arizona State's missing some key players, and it's also Herm Edwards' first bowl game with this team, and coaches tend to perform poorly against the spread in their first bowl game with the team. Um, but the angle I, I like best here in this game because I do lean the under as well at the right price. But the if you can still find it, the Arizona State team total under in this one, 24 and a half is where I got it. If you shop around, you should still be able to find that number, hopefully with as little, you know, if you can find minus 110, obviously for the juice, you don't want to get juiced out. But Arizona State team total under is also a very good look in that game on Saturday, I think, as well. All right, let's move on to NFL Week 15. Man, it's going to be tough to top last week's card. I loved last week's card from every angle. Even had some um, some Oakland Raiders going. Sprinkle a little bit of that money line. It was, oh man, it was such a good week last week. But I do like some plays on the card here this week, week 15. Uh, the best value play that I think I got on board with is the Panthers plus 7. Got that at minus 120, a little extra juice, but I have that in pocket for Monday Night Football. That one's down to six now. It's hard to see where that one's going to go. I still think it's worth a play at six, but seven's obviously just you know getting that key number, that full touchdown means so much. But I don't think you're going to see that now unless you're laying too heavy of a price to buy the numbers. I wouldn't do that. I would play smaller. What I would do right now, if you're playing it on Thursdays, play it smaller at six, try and find low juice on that, and then look to add if it does creep back up to seven or even six and a half, but I would not do a full position. Not quite a full position on, on the six because I don't think it's going to, you know, if it dips back down to five, five and a half, you can still get in play for smaller to fill out the rest of your ticket there. But I really think the, the value's kind of gone at that point because I have this one lined at around three, three and a half for the Saints. This line, at, when, I, when I got a plus seven, that's basically saying that the Saints would be laying 13 or even 14 points to the Panthers at home. And this is a divisional game at night on primetime in Carolina, and the Panthers have to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. It's tough backing Cam Newton here because all signs point that he was banged up for that game last week in Cleveland, but they still could have won that game. And the Panthers do have, you know, they bring the pieces to, to get the job done here, at least cover the numbers. So I can't pass up the value here. The numbers have it 3 3 and a half, which, you know, honestly, even <laughs> I think this game is a spot where the Panthers. You could see them easily win the game outright. So I sprinkle some money line on this one as well because this is a good value play. The Titans, I got it at plus three, minus 120, and I got money line plus 130. Got this one around a pick em, so this one's great value. Unfortunately, there is money coming in on the Titans now that um, at least on Thursday where some of the more sharp money comes in because the limits are raised in a lot of places, uh, so it has moved the number down. But still think the Titans at a plus price is a good look. I have this one at around a pick 'em, so good value on the Titans in this one. It's tough to gauge the motivation of the Giants right now. They've, they've reeled off a couple, a few wins now, but they've been looking good. But obviously, they their chances of making the playoffs are very slim right now in the NFC East. So it's tough to gauge where this team's going. But they are bringing in um, momentum going into this game. But I think that momentum has created value on the game because the Titans. I do have power rated as a better team than the, the Giants. 
I'm really liking the Vikings this week, and this is a spot that I think sets up really well for them. So ideally, ideally I'll lay less than a touchdown here, but I'm fine with minus seven with a full touchdown. Uh, but I think it's worth waiting out for this one market-wise because people, at least the casual Joe Public better, I think is going to keep in mind what obviously what they saw last. That's what Joe Public does. So they'll remember that Dolphins victory over the Patriots last Sunday when they're going to the window at the last minute. They're going to see that same team getting a touchdown in Minnesota, the same team that put up zero points until that garbage touchdown at the end in Seattle on Monday Night Football. So I think that might get a lot of um, public betters to back the Dolphins catching the points here. But I think the Vikings in this spot is such a good look. Uh, For starters, they have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. There's still a path for them to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. So (laughs) you sprinkle a little bit on them to win the Super Bowl if you can find the right price. I found 66-1 to and just put a little slice down because the Vikings, for how terrible that offense looked last week, they no longer have that offensive coordinator, DiFilippo. He coached himself out of a job, and I think that team will bring the motivation this week to win, and the path is there for them to sneak in for that last playoff spot in the playoffs. So at 66-1, to I pretty much need them just to win, get into the playoffs and win one playoff game to have great equity in that ticket. So worth a look, I think. But the Vikings laying that laying the points this week against the Dolphins. The Dolphins classic letdown spot after that miracle, the miracle in Miami against the Patriots that killed all the teasers. And the Vikings in a must-win spot back at home with a new offensive coordinator. They're gonna, you know, Zimmer's got the clamp down on that team now, and they're gonna bring in full motivation with the home crowd against the Dolphins. I love that look this week on the Vikings. I'm also taking a look at the Steelers catching two at home right now. It looks, I'm seeing plus two minus 105 right now against the Patriots on Sunday in that isolated game, the mid-afternoon game. The NFL basically isolated. They're forcing everyone to watch. But I'm holding out on this one to get a, a better read on it. All signs are pointing to me playing the Steelers here, though. Um, that's just too many points. I think this line should be – they should be laying a point themselves. We're getting about two or three points of value with that line, but – Still trying to read through to see if there's any injury team news because I hate backing the Steelers in a spot where the Patriots are coming off that heartbreaker. You know, they're going to, it's going to be an interesting game because both teams are coming off a loss and it's a big game for both teams. So we're going to see some good football in that game, especially since uh, you think about that matchup last year between these two teams with the, the Jesse James touchdown that was called not a touchdown. I won't get into that, but it'll be big motivation for both teams and that's going to be a, a must watch game. In terms of, Teaser candidates this week, six-point teaser candidates. The Baltimore Ravens, I think, is probably the best one. They're currently at around minus eight, so you could tease them through the seven and the three. Basically ask them just to win the game outright as the first of two legs in that teaser. I think that's a fundamental fundamental good miss, good matchup, mismatch uh, for them against the Bucks. Ravens kind of need to win this game, and they have their defense, I think, is just going to be too much for the Bucks in this game. Big game for the Ravens as well, so I'd love that as a teaser candidate. The aforementioned Titans, uh, they're now plus one and a half, plus two, but you could tease them up through the three and the seven, so they lose by a touchdown. You still cover that leg of the teaser. I think that's a good look. The Titans, the aforementioned Vikings, uh, if they are at seven and a half, that you could tease them down to basically ask them just to win the game outright. Um, the Steelers also just mentioned them. You could tease them up to seven, seven, or sorry, seven and a half, eight, or sorry, even eight and a half, maybe. That gets up to two and a half, but through the three and the seven. Also good luck. And finally, the Detroit Lions catching plus two and a half right now. The total is only 39 and a half in that one, so the points are more valuable in that game. So teasing them up to plus eight and a half 
asking them to stay within a touchdown or eight points in a low-scoring game is good value as well. All the school children are lining up to put them in the sack lunches. Hey, that plum looks good. You got traded for your Twinkie? No, these are my plums. I want to bite into that plum and let the juice spill down my chin. All right, so that's going to do it for our best bets or look-aheads uh, on the card this week. I'm still trying to isolate that value, looking at those derivatives and those props, trying to find the value for the portfolio this week, trying to close out the season strong. Yeah. Yeah. Reminder for the Doggy Juice Challenge, we've had two guys win that this year, go 5-0. and um, Later on today, Thursday, I'm going to post the Super Contest lines for the variation of the Super Contest I play in. All you got to do is choose five, get your five picks to me before the games kick off. And if you go 5-0 and against the spread with those picks, I will Venmo you a $25 prize. Send in your Monday Night Football total score as a tiebreaker in case more than one guy goes, or lady, goes 5-0. and So good luck with that. Hopefully someone else gets that money. And I think the last two weeks of the year I'm going to raise that up to 50. I will confirm, but I think I'm going to do that. But this week we're just doing 25 if you get 5-0. and oh. And how about this? Just random thought. If you're listening to the pod, if you give me the 5-0, and oh, I'll give you the 25. If you go, if you give me two more and go 7-0, and oh, then I'll give you the 50. Just uh, thinking about that on the spot. But good luck going 7-0 oh, if you can do it. So that's it. We'll be back soon with more guests, more bowl game analysis, as well as deeper dives into handicapping theories and college basketball in upcoming episodes. This is a very exciting time for sports. We've got everything pretty much in full gear. We've got a lot of uh, European soccer this next month, the Premier League, tons of games if you're looking, if you're into that stuff too. So tons of sports, tons of good angles, and more bets on the board, more opportunities for us to find value and soft lines. So let's keep getting after it, keep winning. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it, and I'll be back soon. Thank you very much. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>